Hello and welcome to Mike's Open Journal and to episode 84 uh, and another new guest on this episode. So I was delighted to talk to Daniel uh, a little bit about mental health and about fitness and about kind of trying to be active and um, some of the struggles that we can have around things like depression and low mood and really having that challenge sometimes just to get out of bed and just to put one foot in front of the other. Um, but also some really cool ideas on some of the stuff that we can do and we talk a little bit about our own experience um, as well with some of those kind of depressive cycles uh, and kind of trying to get into um, doing something active uh, whether that's high intensity or low intensity Um, and it's just really cool to talk through um, with Daniel who is a personal trainer and who knows obviously a lot more than I do um about sort of fitness and being active and it was really cool to talk a little bit about our own ideas our own experiences um and just kind of have that open discussion which i think is really nice and i think is one of the key things that we kind of touched on for a few different topics um and we had sort of spiraled off a couple of times which was really nice and for me is a big part of um, this podcast of Mike's Open Journal of actually having these really cool people that are happy to come on and share their stories um, but also to just sit down and have a chat it's it's not an interview it's it's not a chance to really interrogate people it's just us sitting down and having a chat and I think you guys that listen in um, to a number of different episodes really get that that actually we're just sitting here and we're, we're having a chat about our lives and yeah, there's a, there is a focus on mental health. That's what we kind of want to talk about. It's what we want to break stigma around. It's what we want to raise awareness of. Um, but we're actually talking about a range of things as well. And that was really cool just to sit down and have a chat with uh, with Dan for an hour or so. And hopefully you guys are able to take that away from listening into our conversation. Um, all of the links to the stuff that Dan's doing at the moment is in the description and at the end of the podcast. Um, so I definitely recommend um, checking him out. Um, and generally, I think if you're just looking for Daniel Avner um, or ja- Daniel Avner PT, um, you should be able to find him as well. Um, as always, you can find all of this stuff for Mike's Open Journal um, on the website on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, there's a few bits and pieces there as well. Um, It'd just be really cool to engage with a few more of you, Um, especially now I've got to the stage where there's been a load of you guys that have come onto the podcast. Um, So if you want to come back, um, you've got a topic that's really interesting or something that you want to discuss, that'd be great. But also for some of you that I know that have listened in um, and haven't had um, maybe the opportunity to come on before, It'd be really cool to hear from you, so please do get in contact. Um, Otherwise, I really enjoyed having a chat with uh, Dan just a couple of days ago, um, although it would be about a week ago um, when you listen to this. Uh, So please listen, please enjoy it. Um, Like I say, it was really cool just to sit down and have a chat with Dan. And If you want to come onto the podcast in the future, please do get in contact. Otherwise, I'm going to drop you straight in to our conversation. But I know, Dan, that we started talking uh, a while ago around um, some of the events and activities and stuff that you wanted to get involved with. Um, yep. And I know a lot of your backgrounds to do with fitness and things like that. So I don't know if you want to tell us just a little bit briefly about kind of um, what you do at the moment. 
Sure. So, yeah, so at the moment I'm a personal trainer. Um, I work in a uh, community center as well as I have my own kind of uh, pri private training that I do. And I also have an online coaching program um, that I have a few clients in right now. I'm just kind of building up that uh, platform right now. But, um, you know, something that seems really promising and I, I kind of like that idea of um, helping people outside of, uh, you know, the, the 101 sessions that I tend to have at the gym. Mm. Uh, there's a bigger outreach or, or bigger, sorry, bigger reach that I can have with that uh, online platform. Um, and, and I got into it, um, if I'll, I'll go back a little bit. So yeah. I started, um, I, I did my degree in kinesiology in uh, the University of Toronto. And so that's a four-year program where, you know, I kind of learned a lot of uh, theoretical stuff about uh, the body, physiology, anatomy, all that, all, you know, everything that you can think of about the human body. Mm. And um, I did feel that there was a little bit of a practical aspect that was lacking. And I really wanted to get into um, kind of starting to apply that knowledge um, right away after university. Um, I was still not sure where, what I wanted to do, so I was kind of... I kind of took some time off. Uh, I went for a year and I traveled in, in Korea. I actually taught English there in South Korea, um, oh, not wow. the north. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, uh, I actually met somebody there, um, kind of as, as a side note, who was uh, doing tours in North Korea for kind of tourists because they do have a tourism industry yeah. uh, in North Korea. So he was an Australian and it was really amazing kind of hearing what he has to say. Oh, wow. Uh, you know, he actually lived in North Korea for yeah. about a year. So that's crazy. But yeah, so I was teaching English in Korea um, and I got to travel a little bit after that, uh, going to Southeast Asia, uh, you know, do, doing the whole backpacking thing. Mm. It was really fun. It was a good time. But yeah, when I came back, like I really wanted to start applying the knowledge that I learned in school. And so I got into the fitness industry. And first I worked at a big box gym, um, Good Life Fitness, this, which is where I work. Actually, I'm wearing the Good Life shirt, one of, one of the kind of uh, promotional shirts. That <laughs> I it's really comfortable, so that's why I'm wearing it. Oh, but, I love a good uh, little promotional t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually not working there anymore, but uh, yeah, I guess this is good promotion for them. But uh yeah, and uh, for a while I did enjoy it and I learned a lot and, um, you know, it taught me not only about fitness but also kind of the business aspect of it, which is really important if you want to make it in the fitness industry. Like, you know, unfortunately there's, you know, there's a lot of people who are really good at what they do as a trainer. They get people results. They're fantastic, but they just can't get the people in the door. Like, mm. they, they don't have enough clients and because they're just not – for whatever reason, either good communicators or, um, you know, sales is involved in it as well. So if you don't have that, um, it might be really difficult to make it in the fitness industry. So just for those who are interested in it, um, just, you know, invest some of your uh, learning in, in, in the business aspect of the trade. But yeah, so for a while I was enjoying it and it was good. Um, but then I just kind of felt a little bit constrained in that system. Um, I, you know, there's a lot of limitations as to what you could do outside of good life and outside of just a big box gym. I don't want to knock good life, but whenever you work for a big box gym, they really try to get you to commit to that, their system. And so that you don't really look for anywhere else for, uh, another either stream of revenue or another way of, you know, expanding your expertise. Mm. Um, so I decided to get out of there. Um, 
And I started working at this community center, which gave me um, more options as to what I could do outside of it. So this is when I started exploring the online fitness space and um, as well as my own private uh, training that I do with clients. And it's been really, uh, you know, it has its ups and downs because uh, it's a very, uh, it can be an unstable business. And, um, you know, you don't, sometimes you don't know where the next you know, paycheck will come yeah. from. But at the same time, it does feel good when you know that you're helping people and, uh, you know, when clients are just thankful to, for you and, you know, they uh, really trust you and, um, you know, they, they refer people to you, which means you've done something right. Um, so, yeah, it's been an up and down, but I really like what I do and I'm looking to expand um, that. And, you know, in terms of the mental aspect stuff that uh, actually this is where I started my social media, which was only um, my social media platform, which only started about like three months ago, which is when you reached out to me. Yeah. You actually reached out to me in like the first week that I started. Doing oh, Twitter wow. That's awesome. And everything. <laughs> so I was like, what the hell? Like, why, why is this guy even reaching out to me? Like, I haven't done anything. <laughs> but, but, you know, I was like, that actually, you know, made me feel that this is a really promising space and um, uh, that I've been kind of underutilizing. And so I've been going somewhat heavily in the social media space now, like not so much on Twitter, but more on Instagram and Facebook mm. and, um, you know, getting some notice and I actually got a few clients that way. Um, yeah, sorry. That was a very long roundabout question, uh, answer to your question. <laughs> but, um, yeah. It's good. It, I think it really comes across though. Like you say, with what you're doing now and starting to use social media a little bit more, but then also the the roles that you've had where um, it is a case of it's that connection with people and how important that is. And like you were saying about keeping and gaining clients, actually mm -hmm. a lot of that is to do with the interaction. I mean, yeah, people want to be fit and want to go and do things, but so many people don't and so many people will try it and then stop. So actually mm -hmm. a lot of that is about building up that kind of that personal relationship, helping people to understand why you're doing certain things or, um, yeah, building that strong rapport. And then I think that kind yeah. of comes around, like you're saying, with actually looking at these different types of technologies, different types of communication with social media and not just yeah. how that can help you with work, but also the, the amazing tool that that is just as a, a life tool, I guess, as well. Yeah, I mean, and it's fun as well. Like, you know, I mm. really enjoy posting videos and, you know, seeing people really engage with it. And, um, you know, I post fitness stuff, but I also post kind of like comedic fitness stuff. You yeah. Know? <laughs> um, like I, I, you know, I post and I, I'm also into music and I, you know, uh, do a little bit of singing, playing guitar, bass and kind of doing a little bit of rapping that I'm uh, kind of getting into. And um uh, I incorporate that into my fitness page and okay. people like that because it's a little different. It's unique, I think. And um, I need to go and find the rapping videos. <laughs> <laughs> they're kind of they're kind of embarrassing, but yeah. Yeah. Okay, guys, skip past the fitness. Skip past the fitness. Where's the music and the rapping? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's there's a few videos embedded in there. Oh, that's cool. That. Yeah. So you mentioned that you've kind of had or found clients through social media as well. Has that mm -hmm. been a case of just kind of talking about the things that you're doing or um, have they just kind of happened to find you? 
Yeah, well, it's kind of like a mix of both. I mean, I don't, uh, I don't like to like heavily promote what I do. Like mm. once in a while, I might kind of post, uh, like I, you know, make sort of not an ad, but just kind of a, a poster yeah. on Instagram with like what my services are. But mm. I, but people usually just kind of will reach out to me and say, you know, good job. Like I just want to know more about what you do, and then and then that's when I elaborate on. Uh, what kind of services I provide, but I don't like push that on anybody. Yeah, no, I've seen because um, I follow a couple of people that do loads of stuff around fitness in my local area, and it's interesting to see the different, I guess, approaches that people take. Um, there's some people that are um, very forward with the fact that they offer services and different things, and there's others that I guess maybe are similar to yourself that are more like, this is stuff I'm doing. Like and basically that's it, and it's people that would then say, "Oh, so what sort of exercises or routines are you doing, or what kind of dietary things are you doing?" And then mm-hmm. it becomes a bit more of like an inquiry into how you can support them to do something similar, rather than mm-hmm. you saying, "Come to me for this, this, and this." And I don't know, it makes it a bit more of a conversation, I guess. Yeah, well, I I, I found from just my own experience. Uh, not so much through social media, but for example, like working at a gym where the pushier you are, the more people kind of uh, push back or pull back. They're, they don't mm. want to be sold. And that's understandable. I mean, you know, people get sold all day through advertisements and things like that. Yeah. And, um, you know, if you come out, come back, come out as more genuine, not only is it going to build a better relationship, but um, it's also going to be just better for you in the long run. Mm, I think so. I think it's one of those things that you gradually sort of buy into and invest in yourself as well. Because I think for me, like I know I should do more exercise and should be healthier. And I know all those things. um, But most of the time I don't do them. And it's about getting to that stage where you invest and you're like, actually, do you know what? Like I I do need to go out and do a bit more exercise. Or like I, I feel like for me... Um, like, cause I've started to get down a little bit about like body image and stuff like that. And I think it's because I feel like I'm still walking, I'm still doing all this stuff, I'm still exercising, but actually the, the exercise I'm doing is at a really, um, low intensity. So it's not really right. doing what I need it to do. And it's about being able to sit there and talk to people about, um, I guess like the activities that we do and not mm-hmm. be worried about someone saying, oh, well, you could do that or maybe try that. Um, right. And feeling right. it, again, it's just, I guess it's breaking down that barrier of like maybe a little bit of shame about some of the stuff that we do or we don't do. Right, right, yeah. And I, I don't, you know, I try not to um, come off as, uh, I guess you could say arrogant or that I know better than other people about fitness or whatever, you know, I, I just, I, I know where I started, you know, in fitness, I guess when I was about 16, before mm-hmm. that, I kind of, you know, I played sports. I was always a fairly active kid, but I, I wasn't in like throughout my, most of my childhood, I wasn't in the best shape. I was, I was sort of a chubby kid, but, um, but I was always active. And then when mm-hmm. I started actually getting into, you know, real kind of, um, fitness in the gym when I was about 16, um, actually, I started initially because um, I found that it was it helped me with my with my mood, and you know, we are talking here about mental health as well, mm. and that's one of the things that I found to be consistently one of the best things to do in order to elevate my mood and feel better. 
uh, and which is why, you know, part a major reason why I've stuck to it throughout all the years. And there are times, just like with anybody, that I, I also, uh, you know, just take breaks from exercise uh, for one reason or another. People have their own different reasons. Mm. For me, it's when I, you know, when I get into a low mood, it's much harder to stick to the routine, and you know, um, you just uh, don't have the as I don't have as the, the same motivation as when I'm I have a better mood and um, I'm not so like kind of you know down in the mm. in the dumps as the phrase goes. Yeah, and. Um, Sorry, I don't even remember <laughs> why, why I even started talking about that. But that was my motivation. Everybody has yeah. their own motivation. And um, I just try to dig deep into, like when I talk to people and they are interested in possibly getting into training, I dig deep into their motivation as to why they want to exercise in the first mm. place. Because my reason for exercising is different than theirs. And if they find, if I help them find their motivation for exercising, they're more likely to, to stick to it. Um, even if, you know, it gets difficult or it gets rough and, uh, yeah. Yeah. I think I definitely found with, um, like I was up until I think the start of December, um, I'd had almost like a whole year, um, and on and off for two years of just going out every week and running on the weekend. Um, and doing something between like sort of three and seven or eight miles and it was nice like you vary up and I don't feel guilty about sometimes doing less distance and just like I'm just going out and doing the exercise which was really cool um and then at December like just knowing it's a it's a low time for me like with the seasonal stuff and Christmas and right also the fact it's just so cold Yeah, and just, in England you don't get much sun, so that no. that, that kind of affects uh, people's mood too. Yeah, um, you know what I would recommend in those in that case, um, you know when the when the weather is not as great, you don't get as much vitamin D from the sun. Supplementing with vitamin D is a great thing, and uh, it does. You know there is some studies to show that it does help, um, and. Uh, but also, I read actually another good article, a, a great article about um, kind of the, like, you know, when people, people often take breaks, and when they take a break from exercise, mm-hmm. they go from sometimes from like a 10, like, so if we're thinking on a scale of like 10 being, you know, exercising a lot every day, yep. um, and zero being you're doing nothing, a lot of people go from that like extreme, from 10 to zero. But if you are to maintain some type of exercise like level, even if it's a one where you're just walking a little bit every day, mm. you're more likely to be able to br- come back to the higher, you know, level of okay. eight, nine, 10 in exercise than if you were to just stop completely. If you stop completely, that momentum kind of slows down and yeah. it's much harder to fight against that uh to get back into the routine i suppose and it's such a big difference like you say if you're if your regular is say three or four and you drop down you're like actually it was a three or four type thing so it's, I, if i just do a little bit and i'm back into it rather right. than if you're going so hardcore and then you suddenly stop and you've had two three weeks of not doing anything you're like yeah oh, to go back out and do like a 10 mile run is actually quite a push. I've not really walked much in the last couple yeah, of weeks. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, and that, that often happens to people like when they go on vacation, uh, they do nothing while they're on vacation. It might even be a week, which is not that long, mm. but to get yourself back to it is much, much harder, even with that, with just seven days off. Yeah, I think it's like you say, it's finding that reason that you're buying into 
um, doing the activity. If it's to stay fit, is it for a health reason? Like um, for people like us, it might also be like to do with your mental health and as well. And actually having the, I don't know, the motivation to do that. Because I think a lot of the time when I started to exercise like years ago, it was always about like, oh, I want to do this distance or I want to do something in this time or I want to be able to lift this much or whatever. And I think when I do things now, it's usually a lot more about, oh, I just want to take time out. I just want to do this activity. It's not always about doing a certain distance or a certain time or whatever. It's more about just doing it and just having that little bit of time away from everything else. Um mm-hmm. A lot of the time I will listen to like a podcast or music or whatever when I'm going around and running. But at the same time as I'm listening that sometimes, although I'm hearing it, I'm not really listening. And it is just time to sort of just be outside and moving around and try not to think about everything else that's going on as well sometimes. Um, And I I do wonder sometimes how you have... um, so many people in gyms now with headphones and stuff like that how many of them are maybe not listening to anything <laughs> and it's just uh, I just want to get on with what I'm doing and the headphones are a bit of a just like a leave me alone I'm just getting on with it I think that's quite nice as well in a way it's just we would just want to have our time to kind of get on with whatever activity or exercise we're doing it's a bit of time away from work or family or friends or whatever and just having that time to yourself as well right yeah yeah I totally agree with that. I don't know. Do you think that's like, is it more common than we think it is maybe just to want to have like use of something like exercise just to get away from everything? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a, a few aspects to it. I mean, one of them is uh, kind of the escape escapism. People have different, you know, escapes that in their lives, some have drugs, food, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm blanking on other things, but exercise is one of them for some people. And, you know, it's like, you know, getting away from the kids for a bit, Mm. um, which is maybe why you see a lot of people just like socializing in the gym, because that's kind of like the the place where they can do that um, and take a break from their responsibilities throughout the day. But also, you know, there is uh, just just the the positive nature of the activity and um, how it helps you uh, uh, make positive chemicals or happy chemicals in your brain, the endorphins that are rushing through your body as you're exercising, um, help some people actually feel better. And, mm. um, but that's, yeah, that's what I found when I started training. It had nothing to do with, or very little to do with actual, actually staying physically fit. It yeah. helped me a lot, a lot with my uh, mental state. And throughout that time, I guess, you know, I can steer it a little bit into the mental health since this yeah. is sort of a podcast about mental health. Um, throughout that time when I just started getting into the gym, um, that was kind of when my mom got sick. So my mom had a a brain tumor around that time when I was about uh, 15, she was Mm -hmm. diagnosed and, uh, uh, you know, it was a, it was a rough time. Uh, and that was one of the things that kind of, uh, in a way, as we said, is, was an escapism, but it was a place for me to escape, but also it just made me feel better due to the you know, the, the positive chemicals that mm. were rushing through my brain as I was uh, exercising and even, you know, the after effects uh, to after I was done, I felt a little bit better. 
Um, and so that's partially what got me into it. And um, so then my mom passed away when I was about 16. But throughout the whole time, I, I kept, you know, being physically active. And on top of that, you know, doing other things that um, I felt helped relieve my depression, um, you know, reading books and reading especially like books about uh, philosophy and um, uh, not so much. I haven't really throughout throughout that time, like I haven't really been into uh, reading anything about religious stuff as much, mm -hmm. although just now I'm kind of getting into it. There's a very interesting psychology professor that I actually listen to. His name is Jordan Peterson. Possibly you've heard of him, but I know uh, a lot of people on the internet have heard about him because he's been creating some buzz around um, uh, certain topics. But he's been talking about the biblical stories and how they actually have some basis in um, psychological truths. Okay. And, and um, but yeah, so like, you know, reading about philosophy has helped and eating well is another thing that really helped, you know, when I, just like, uh, you probably have experienced it in your life. When mm -hmm. you eat well, you feel better. Um, you know, when you eat more vegetables, you're eating cleaner food, you're not eating out as much, you tend to feel uh, much, much better. And, um, you know, that helps with the, with the, the chemistry of your body and also the chemicals that your brain is exposed to and um, makes you feel better. So, you know, eating well, um, making sure you're exposing yourself to the right information. I mean, maybe right is not the correct word, but uh, exposing yourself to positive information helps. Mm. I think like you say that it can be really hard at particular times, especially when you're talking about um, your mum's illness and, I think when we were talking earlier about um, getting into particular habits, whether that's exercise, whether it's drink or it's drugs, um, and there can be so many triggers for people um, that it's really important to kind of almost like you were saying about the religious side, I think, is it's not about the, I don't know, it's not about the right and the wrong. It's being able to balance up. There's lots of different things that you can do and that you can try. And it's trying to not just buy into what one particular person says and do mm. what you feel like. This is helping me in some way. And I think for you, having that, the exercise and the outlet and um, very much not being a physical thing, it's just this is helping me mentally somehow. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know how much you knew that at the time, but I think it's cool to be able to look back and say actually look this is the positive effect it had on me um it allowed me to have an outlet um and obviously to some extent it's also fed into like a passion and a career for you moving forward as well um so yeah. it's kind of says a lot that in a very uh traumatic time that you actually were able to find something in amongst a lot of negative things, like we said, like the drugs, alcohol and stuff that's available, um, mm -hmm. you were able to find something that worked for you, helped you have that outlet. Um, and I think that shows why it's so important for a lot of people to, like I say, have that exposure to those different things and not just see, oh gym and fitness is something you sign up for and you go along every Wednesday night or once a week or whatever. Actually, there's lots of benefits to it, like the mental health side of just having something to do. You don't have to go and, like I've said, run so far or so fast or lift so much. Actually, just mm -hmm. going can be a huge benefit to someone. And it might be that you say, okay, this isn't for me. 
gym, exercise, fitness, no thanks, but you've tried it, and it might be that you say, actually, there's something in there that I really liked. Actually, I, I do quite like physical activity. I just don't like any of that gym stuff, but maybe I could go and try, I don't know, like football or soccer or netball or whatever, and it kind mm-hmm. of gets people into it. At a, a, I just always think of the gym and fitness side of being a lot more accessible because there isn't that requirement for you don't have to have like a kit or a uniform or certain type of clothing mm-hmm. like okay people might have preferred stuff but it's preferred it's not required um mm-hmm. you can exercise at home you can do it out on the street you can do it by going along to a gym um and if you're able to and you want to there's people like yourself that come in and say i can give you a little bit of advice i could help you get set and sometimes that's enough for people just to have that bit of information um and get going and i think it's it's a massive coping strategy and tool for people that struggle with mental health that is kind of a lot of the time I think ignored I think Mm -hmm. we talk about um the going for a walk and the being outside and yeah that's really beneficial and I find it essential for me in the everyday kind of world of just getting outside and walking but that's not the the intensity side of like you were speaking about when you're doing the activity, when you finish it and you get that buzz afterwards, mm-hmm. some people need that or seek that out in other ways. Um, and actually, this is a really beneficial way and something that can massively help if you are struggling, I think, particularly for things like depression, mm-hmm. um, to mm-hmm. give you that lift and show you that, yeah, there's support there, but this is something that you can do as well. Yeah, well, I, I, like if there are people who are will be listening to this who um, who are you know experience depression and things like that, I I would really recommend they start just moving. Uh, it doesn't matter. You don't have to, like you don't need to complicate things. You know what should I do? What's the right thing? Just just start doing some type of movement. Anything that will get you to start feeling a little bit better, and then you can worry about the kind of details after. But you know, just going for a walk going for a little light jog, um, you know, try to make it a social thing, maybe go with friends or something like that. But just starting to move will help you because if you're stuck in a rut and you're um, immobile or making yourself immobile over time, it's going to become such a habit that it's going to be much, much harder to um, reverse. And, you know, that's just, again, one of the ask, one of the things that will help you alleviate your um, depression. A lot of it, I would also say that it has to do with a bleak outlook. Mm. Um, and, you know, that, that was one thing that I, f- I feel like um, I'm just kind of starting to get over, you know, it's a slow process, but I'm getting over it. Because if something traumatic happens to you in your life, especially when you're young, um, it can make you kind of question what the hell is the point of, of of, of this right yeah you know what's the point of going on and uh, you know it's a very kind of it's a necessary question though it's a necessary process because if you're not you know if you just pretend like if something traumatic happens and you're pretending like everything is all right mm. you're just suppressing that question but it, it comes in everybody's mind at some point and especially when something kind of like traumatic happens and you have to answer that question to yourself but I think the answer is there is a point to it, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because um, 
you matter and you matter to other people too. And uh, the thing is, when you say that, what's the point? It doesn't matter. You actually make things worse, not only for yourself, but for other people around you, because you project that outlook onto the world. And, um, but if we're just thinking about it selfishly, you're also making things worse for yourself. Um, so I think that's an important thing to get kind of right first mm. that, and, and I'm not preaching or anything, but I'm just saying that figure it out for yourself, but it's very important for you to eventually probably figure out that, um, it is worth it for you to keep going. And once you make that decision, then you have to, you start doing things that will automatically make your life better and then also in turn make others' lives, people's lives better. So one of the things we're talking about is exercise, but again, there's a few different things that you can do to, to make things better. That's really interesting because the next thing I was kind of going to say is like, I've had mornings where it's like you, you're really struggling just to get out of bed and then the thought of going into work or just talking to people, it feels like it's too much. You're just like... I just want to lay here and I can just about tolerate not dying essentially but but the idea of getting up and doing something is just too much like and how do you I don't know if motivate yourself is the right sort of phrase but just get out to a small extent of that kind of groove that you're in where you're just you're so um, I guess like internally negative you're you very much are depressed um, yeah. and you're just struggling to do anything at all um, and I think that idea you kind of sort of said about the like you see the world how you express it or something like that and it's like oh yeah. it's quite interesting because although you can be um, I, I find it really really hard to go oh, there's something like worthwhile or there's something good in the world um, but the idea that actually it might be really, really difficult, but we do have the power to just think, even if it's just for a second, and refocus or rephrase the way that we look at certain things. It can be a very small thing that makes that difference. And actually, if you are struggling, yeah, just to get up and go downstairs or or to go outside and walk for 10 minutes, mm-hmm. do you know what? Like, that's a success. You got out of bed. Um, for some people, that's a success. You know, you went outside. Um you've walked maybe non-stop for 10 minutes that's another success you've got some fresh air um yeah there's loads of health benefits to that but just mentally those couple of small things can be absolutely massive for someone as well um yeah so it's really yeah. interesting to kind of hear you sort of phrase it like that as well because it's one of those things mm-hmm. i guess sometimes we do but we don't know we're doing maybe yeah well one of the things that I really liked when I was listening to the professor that I spoke about before, yeah. um, you know, he was talking about people with depression, and um, he's also, you know, a clinical psychologist as well. So, um, one of the best things to do if you are depressed is not to, uh, what's that word? Um, catastrophize. Catastrophize? <laughs> well, like, uh, don't look at the it's it's you should it's more it, it makes it worse if you look at the larger scope of your life if you just focus as best as you can on the next moment mm. it makes things a little more manageable because if you start thinking about your whole life it's you know it's like what's the point of this like th- those questions can 
they can overwhelm you. And mm -hmm. if you just take it step by step, like let's say you're lying in bed and then you, you say, okay, the next thing for me to do is to just put one foot on the ground, you know, uh, and then the next foot and then get up. Like that's more manageable than, you know, what am I going to do this week or this month? Like that's, you know, if, mm -hmm. if you're too depressed, you're not, it's, you're not going to be able to answer these types of questions because that seems just like way too overwhelming. And then what you're going to do is you're going to just say, you know, can I swear on this podcast? Yeah, <laughs> go for it. Okay. You can just, you're going to, well, you know, just say fuck it and, <laughs> and just stay in bed and because it's too much, right? Yeah. Um, so think, if you think about it in the small steps, yeah, that's much better in the short term. Then once you start get the ball rolling and you're actually able to do the basic things that, you know, a normal person would say, a normal person is able to do like make food, do the laundry, whatever. Mm. That's one of the bigger questions you can start asking yourself. When I think of some of the days when I've really struggled in the morning as well, and you're like, almost like exactly you said, I thought all of these things that I need to do today, I just, I can't, I'm not going to do them. I can't, I don't have the energy. I don't have the effort. I don't have the motivation. I don't, even if I got up and did them, I would fail at doing whatever they are. I'm just, I just can't be asked. I'm not going to bother. Um, and you get to the stage where you're like, oh, I need to go to the toilet. I'm not even going to get up to go to the toilet. I just, I don't care. And then at some stage, you'll get up to go to the toilet. And you're like, I'm up now. Actually, that that wasn't too bad. <laughs> and it's being able, even then, you're like, I'm going to go back to bed. You're like, no, no. <laughs> like, you're up. You've done it. <laughs> like, just Whatever it is, just go and do something. It doesn't matter what it is. You're up. Um, and that getting out of bed part can be so difficult because... For a lot of people that are in some sort of shared accommodation or housing or whatever situation you're in, the bedroom and especially the bed becomes such a like a protective cover and environment for people. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's why we get to that stage where the idea of just leaving bed is something that we really, really don't want to do um, and becomes... Yeah. I guess, yeah, somewhere that we feel safe and secure, which is good, but it also makes it quite difficult to leave that for that reason. Um, and when you are in that low mood state, there needs to be something that's helping you kind of get up and move and get involved in something. Um, mm -hmm. And that's cool when you've got like a project or a friend or something like that, that you're like, I really want to get up and get involved with that. But a lot of the time we don't have that going on um and it can be about kind of working out those different things that can help people do that yeah well a few things um you know i found when, in my own experience that when i am in a in a higher i guess you would say more elevated mood mm. um you know when i kind of have those few days where i feel that way um it's really important for me at least to try to capitalize on that and um, make sure that I'm doing all the routines that are I know will benefit me like exercising, eating well um, getting enough sleep all that stuff, doing those things because I know that from my experience, again, when I go into that kind of low mood it's, I climb out of it easier because those routines are more ingrained in me mm. and so I'm able to in push myself a little more to get those things going when 
I don't feel like it. Um, and I, so I found that that has helped, you know, in my high mood to make sure that I'm nailing those routines yeah. so that when I go into the low mood, it helps for me to get there out of there as soon as possible. Um, and another thing you said about, the, you know, the projects and, you know, things that you, um, that you get involved in that yeah. can help a person get up in the morning. You know, it's some people don't have that and it's tough, but you can try to make your own sort of projects um, to get involved in, um, however small that might help you get up. And a lot of that has to do with responsibility. I think that's something that can be really important because, um, again, the, the professor that I discussed before, he talks mm -hmm. about this, but. Um, your the amount of meeting that you have in your life and I've experienced that myself is very highly correlated with the amount of responsibility that you take on. So if you have responsibility to other people, it can be so for me it's clients and um, you know however small for my dad or um, you know responsibilities for my grandparents, whatever. It helps me to uh, to that gives you meaning in your life having responsibilities if you have a, a dog that you take care of for example mm -hmm. um that can give you meaning just taking care of that dog but it does take responsibility which is you know in the morning you got to get up for that dog and walk the dog i don't have a dog i'm just yeah. this is an example <laughs> you make me sad i don't have a dog <laughs> You can get a dog. It's not, you know, or, or a cat. A cat is less less man, uh, demanding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Than, you Got know, cats. Oh, that's good. Perfect. <laughs> so, I mean, you do have to somewhat take care of your cats too, and that's certainly a responsibility. Mm -hmm. And that, I don't know, you know, you can tell me, but it might help you get up in the morning and, and um, uh, just to because you know that you have to take care of these cats, or else they, you know, they'll have a worse. Uh, they'll have a worse time of it. So. Yeah, I think for me, it's kind of that idea of having the... Um, I don't know, it's not feeding them so much for me, because um, I feel like they're scroungers and they'll go and get food somewhere else. <laughs> but it's it's that idea you, of... You like let them roam outside? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if let them's right, just they will. They're, they're good. There's no stopping them. Yeah. Um, it's that idea of kind of that that caring kind of maternal side of you like you said you you've got responsibility to make sure they're okay and um it kind of flips your thinking a little bit sometimes and I know for me um probably one of the times when I was most seriously considering self-harm um I had one of my cats kind of brush past the back of my leg and it kind of just flipped my mood or my thinking from being very internal and very negative to being, oh, actually, there's something else here um, that you have a, a responsibility for to some extent, but also the innocence of a pet in the same way that I guess some people could get from a child. Um, yeah. It's It just it changes your emotion quite quickly. Um, and for me, I'll always be grateful for the fact that, like, I've got cats and I had that moment where just them being there and then drawing your attention for a second was enough to stop me doing something stupid um, mm -hmm. or something that I didn't really want to do maybe um, and I think that's it's not necessarily important to say oh have cats but to recognise some of the small things that can have a massive effect on us 
like you say pets are amazing um but for some people maybe it could be pictures or images and things like that and i Ooh. really like um the idea of having like I'm, I, i've got loads of pictures now of um friends up downstairs um mm-hmm. i've met in uh, different things um but i also want to try and get some pictures upstairs that are of places that i've been to and again it's trying to have stuff around that actually can help kind of lift your mood a little bit and be like oh remember when i went and said saw that or did that and um it can be small things that help lift you and if you're mm-hmm. aware that you are prone to or struggle with um things like low mood and depression i think that's really important to have those because mm-hmm. otherwise we can quite quickly we're very dismissive we're automatically negative i think of oh i've not yeah. achieved anything i haven't done anything but if you've got in front of you this it doesn't matter if they're crap pictures this place that you've been and that you've seen or that person that you spoke to you're like, oh, actually yeah i have done stuff and it was really cool when that happened or when i saw that person and it can help to lift you um and i think mm-hmm. it's trying to work out those little tools um that can help you and yeah i've never heard anyone say that pets are like a negative thing for mental health there's got to be some story yeah. somewhere <laughs> but yeah yeah i mean um you know dogs are for i think dogs are the best for people who are going through depression because yeah uh, i don't have one again but uh, if i had one i think it would be good for me because mm-hmm. it's something that you have to take care of yeah. but it's also something that loves you unconditionally yeah uh, no matter what you do you could do <laughs> you could be even the worst pet owner which i don't recommend but um and and they would still love you because they're in a way programmed to to do that mm. But yeah. once one of the things that you um mentioned i think like within embedded within what you said mm. is that um gratitude is really important because you were talking about friends and then you know uh when you were yeah. um, thinking about self-harm and then the chat brushed up on you is and the way you were grateful for that right and i think mm. gratitude is really important um not only have you know recent studies in the last decade confirmed that gratitude helps people improve their uh, mental health if they like for example keep a gratitude journal or something like that but um or oldest traditions you know religions and have been doing that for forever and like you know i come from the jewish tradition and i've never been very religious um i was born in israel but my whole life i was very secular mm-hmm. my family was kind of sort of jewish by default in a way um and uh you know and kind of when i came to canada i slowly uh slowly got myself because it wasn't already a big part of me got out of that tradition not 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 because i really rejected although i would say after my mom passed away i would say that because i was starting to question all the you know existence and all mm. that um you know i just automatically questioned what what's the point of you know whether religious faith was even correct and what i think going back to the gratitude in the jewish faith you know you're supposed to wake up and there's these prayers that you do and the prayers are basically all about gratitude yes gratitude for god but in a nutshell it's a gratitude about existence itself and i think that that can be very beneficial for people to just be grateful because we forget you know that first of all life itself is a miracle but just the fact that everything at least in western society for the most part things are working well the lights are on uh I have food almost, mm. you know, 
Not almost though. Every day, <laughs> every day I get food in my stomach, and um, you know, and it's something to be grateful about. And yeah. um, I'm not saying that that's the cure for depression. I'm just saying that it can help. And among the other things that we've discussed, and a bunch of other things, I'm sure this, you know, this could like be the antidote, antidote to despair. It's having that um, time, like you said, to be reflective and actually. I guess it's making your life simpler to some extent. And like you say, being grateful for, do you know what, like, it's night time now, I'm inside, I've got shelter. In the morning, I'll wake up and I'll be able to have toast or whatever. Um, it's being grateful for some of those small things. And if you can't or you're struggling to cope with day-to-day work or family life or whatever if you're able to maybe make your life simpler or in some way it maybe helps you get started and kind of similar to like we were saying about getting out of bed and breaking it down it's not about all week or all of today it's just about getting out of bed it's just about going to the toilet or making the first couple of steps um and maybe for you it is a little bit about um actually right now it just needs to be about okay i've I've got somewhere to live. I've got food for the next couple of days. I've, I can have drink and there's stuff like there's a, there's things around me that are allowing me to live, uh, arguably quite privileged life. Um, yeah. yeah. And I think being able to use that as a starting point, um, that if I want to, um, sit down for a couple of hours I can go and sit on a sofa I can do that, I can chill out I don't have to find a quiet space where there's some shelter outside where if it happens to rain or if there's wind that I need to have some protection from that um, like right now outside it's absolutely freezing I think we're around zero-ish um, and I can sit inside and like I said to you before we started minus, oh. ten, or, minus <laughs> 10 around here yeah. 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 oh this must be very warm for you <laughs> it's like I'm going to go and get a blanket and I can just go and do that and pull that out from the other room I'm able to do that so it's trying to maybe like you say it's, it's reframing our mind sometimes and saying you know what yes there's negative stuff going on I acknowledge that but there's also some positive stuff there and being able to sort of balance that out a little bit and I've seen um in one of the uh, therapy sessions that I've had before, they've spoken about kind of not um, not trying to get rid of or um, dismiss some of the negative stuff that we struggle with um, and say, it's okay to acknowledge it, but don't kind of focus too much on that. Also, as well as acknowledging the bad stuff, we have to acknowledge the good stuff. And um, with that can come, let's say, shelter, food. It can be that you've got friends or family. Um, it could be that you've got a job. Um, it might be that you were happy yesterday about doing whatever, um, and it helps to provide that balance. It's not getting rid of it's not getting rid of the negative stuff, um, but it's saying that we need to place as much importance on one as the other. And um, I think that's a really important message too, because, like I said, we get so caught up with the negative stuff and so focused on that that we don't always acknowledge some of the positive and we don't have to say the positive might not be better than the negative but there will mm. be some positive there um and it's being able to acknowledge that as well which i think is a really important thing yeah well i mean one of one of the biggest um i guess you would say problems with i know i'm going all philosophical and stuff but one of the biggest problems with just living itself is that you're 
going to encounter problems, you're going to encounter suffering, you're going to encounter, you know, just pain, yeah. right? And, yeah. and that's, that's inevitable. Mm. And I think the biggest issue with that is that we're not prepared for that or, you know, for whatever reason, we're not taught that that is the case and that, you know, we'll encounter that in our lives. And once, when we do encounter, you know, death and sickness and all that, you know, because we're naive about what life is supposed to bring, um, that can sink us deep in, into, like we said, depression. And yeah. that's the, you know, not realizing that there's a very negative side to just living itself. Mm. But, but I think one of the antidotes to that is taking on responsibility so that you can have meaning in your life. Because if you're not taking any responsibility, you can just easily go into a nihilistic point of view and, and not and, and think what the hell is the point of anything and think that people are cynical or, or, or be cynical about the world and, and about people generally. And if you take on responsibility and you um, do things for others, I think that will that that can automatically like I don't know for me in my experience that has eliminated even any thinking about you know about uh, what the hell is the point mm-hmm. of things because that I don't know I always go to that because that's like the the antithesis in my opinion to meaning because if you don't have that in your life then you're for me I automatically drift to those mm-hmm. kind of that type of thinking and yeah. I suppose as well because it's a question that inevitably we're never going to be able to answer so you're, you get drawn to something that's you're only going to be disappointed with whatever the outcome is. Like, you're only going to find out, I don't know, or I'm never going to know, or no one's ever going to tell me, or there is no reason. Um, mm. is it draws you to that kind of the negative side. Um, that's why I'm really... Um, like, I've spoken to a few people recently, and it's interesting to say you kind of pick up a little bit on the religion side, and... Um, I find it really interesting the different kind of approaches and beliefs that people have around religion and I watched um, I think these are really old videos of uh, Ricky Gervais talking about religion and I think these are from like years ago I don't know but I've just suddenly discovered them this week and it was really interesting because I thought I like Ricky Gervais yeah, it's, he's great. It's, it was really funny and I, I totally got what he was saying um, and the kind of the I guess like the stories and the explanations and stuff that he had but I thought I feel like you're kind of missing the point because to me the the religion side has mm. never been about and this is my personal sort of thought is that yeah. being like heavily religious and the religious side isn't about being able to prove the existence of god or jesus or any it's about almost having blind belief it's this is what Mm -hmm. i believe it's not about fact or anything like that because then it wouldn't be a belief it'd just be facts like Mm -hmm. i don't say i believe in science or i believe in whatever because that's just fact it's Mm -hmm. being able to believe in something blindly and being able to believe in something that arguably can and never will be proven and Mm -hmm. i think that's an amazing I guess like characteristic or ability to have and say regardless this is what I feel and what I believe and I'm so envious of people that are able to have that because 
it yeah, just no. I don't I, I, yeah I can't think how to explain it no worries okay so I, I wouldn't even say I'm like a religious person uh, like I'm not yeah. really at all I've been I've been secular and then in my teenage years I basically went atheistic and until recently kind of just started seeing these stories in a different light and I don't think that although you know because there's different interpretations and stuff right so I I don't think that they were totally meant as literal stories but more as guidance Mm. uh, moral guidance as to how one should conduct themselves um, in their lives and I'm no again I'm no expert by any stretch of the imagination on these stories and uh, I just feel like because of things haven't really worked out for me I would say as an atheist in my life hmm. and, and I'm not again you know it works for Ricky Gervais he lives uh, <laughs> as, you know suppo- uh, from you know I don't know him obviously but yeah. as on the surface he seems like a pretty well together dude and yeah. uh, seems like his life is alright and I do I, I think he's hilarious um, but but I feel that I've, dis- I've discounted um, these stories, and again, I do take them as stories, as mm. you know, as, at the moment at least. Yeah. I take them as uh, most of them as just moral stories about more how you should conduct yourself morally in your life and how to live a a good life. And um, you know, I'm just starting to see it in a different light, mm. and um, I don't think that you know all religious people are brainwashed. Um, likewise, you know, I don't think, I, you know, there are religious people that I know and they're not by any way, any way, in any, in any way foolish. Yeah. Like they, they understand the other side and, and, um, but that's the people I know. I know there yeah. are hard, hardcore religious people that you would say are just bonkers. And, <laughs> um, yeah. I um, think it is like you say that it's having people around you, whether that's friends yeah. or someone that you can kind of discuss it with and that's where I think my kind of lack of I guess belief in stuff came before where it was always sort of oh these are fixed views or things like that and oh but can't that be disproven and it's as you kind of I don't know your view changes as you start to talk about and learn about it and think oh mm-hmm. actually it's it is just about having that belief and it's about um, people invest in things and understand things in different ways. And I think, again, kind of linking back into the mental health side is that it is about um, being able to have those conversations and say, actually, I can think this or I can struggle with this. And it doesn't matter if you if you get it or you get it to some extent. And it's about having those conversations. And um, like the two of us for the last, what, 10 minutes, and we've spoken about religion which can be a very touchy subject we have i'd say slightly different views but we're able to just sit here and talk about it and i think that says a lot for um how potentially society has started to change very slowly um but people being a little bit more open and being able to talk about different views and respecting each other's views and saying it's not about having a right or a wrong it's about mm-hmm. actually this is what I value or what I believe or this is my experience. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, I, 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 you know, I'm very open-minded and I don't, you know, I don't care what 
anybody else does as long mm. as it like doesn't affect other people mm. um you know if it, i mean negatively obviously yeah if it affects in a positive way cool do whatever you're doing keep doing it but um yeah i mean i just like everybody i'm exploring what the world has to offer and um whether you know if it works in my life great and if it doesn't work for somebody else fantastic you know i mean do something else mm. uh, but i just you know i think that we should be res- respectful of others and understand that everybody's trying to figure things out just like just like yourself mm. and um yeah just just be open-minded I think there's one more thing I'd really quite like to sort of have a brief chat about. And it's like, especially for maybe someone that doesn't know you or hasn't seen any of your stuff before is, um, you're someone that is male, someone that's involved in lots of fitness stuff, um, goes to the gym, is a personal trainer. And obviously we're talking about mental health and, um, you've spoken a little bit about your own story. Like, how does it feel kind of being a male in arguably a very kind of male-perceived, I guess, environment like um, fitness and being able to kind of talk about your experience or your thoughts around mental health? Right, yeah. So are you sa- Okay, so I kind of see what you're saying. Um, <laughs> it's very poorly worded. <laughs> no, no, I, I understood you from, from the context. So, um, I mean, I don't... <sighs> Like, I'm not closed off about it, but I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm, like, ter- crazy open about it, mm. about, you know, what I've been going through. But I know that there are a lot of pe- other people who go through the same problems, you know, anxiety, depression, kind of, like, mood disorders. And um, even, you know, even in the gym where it's, uh, as you were kind of alluding to, it's, like, a very uh, macho environment. But, um, but you know, you, when you when you talk to people individually and and like kind of get to know them Mm. you see that they they understand and and you know everybody's vulnerable in their own ways and um people are more understanding than you think they are even though you know they might look a certain have a certain exterior that looks like you know they're very rough and they don't understand what uh you know what sadness and depression and mental illness is but most people do I think it kind of hints at the stuff that we spoke about at the beginning and like you said it's building that rapport um, and having that kind of open communication with people and being able to talk about um, your own experiences like you're not going to talk to everyone you're not going to tell everyone everything um, but finding that comfortable space um, and I know I've spoken to people before where they sort of said there's certain environments where they wouldn't feel comfortable talking about things and think um, actually when you were talking earlier about like the gym environment and talking about it in a much more you can tell I don't go <laughs> talking about it in a much more kind of social way um, and actually just coming along doing like a little bit of exercise and having it as a social space and somewhere to go along and actually have a little bit of time to maybe talk one to one um, which we don't have the rest of the time when we're working with family or friends or whatever and the gym is maybe a really cool space where you can have um, that one-to-one conversation, which a lot of the time is more likely to have uh, kind of mental health conversations or disclosures um, in that kind of situations. So it's kind of cool to hear from someone that is actually in that environment more than me. Well, I'm not yeah. there. At- I'm not there at all. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, but it's cool well, to hear that from you as well, though. 
Yeah, well, I mean, people are more understanding about it nowadays than you'd think they are. And I think part of eliminating the stigma about mental health is just being brave enough to, and I'm not saying people that don't are not brave because, you know, there's different reasons for not disclosing information mm. about your mental health. Like, for example, I'm not going to mention the person by name, but, um, you know, I know someone who would not disclose or would not go to a uh, psychiatrist, for example, because that would most likely show up um, on their record if they mm. were to um, go, like, work in a corporation. And, yeah. Um, uh, you know, that will show up and then that will might hinder their ability to get a job that they want. So, you know, that's it's a problem. Like that definitely is a problem. But I think we can work to eliminate stigma just by um, being a little bit more open about it and then make others feel more comfortable to talk about it. Like when I released, um, I released a few videos on YouTube initially when I started the whole social media thing. And uh, were about mental health and my own experience and stuff and mm. you know people came up to me and like I was really hesitant to do it but ended up doing it anyways and um, and people came up to me and they were like you know that was very brave like good job for doing that and people started talking to me about mental health and their own kind of problems and stuff and I just thought you know if more people were to, to just speak up there would be much less stigma surrounding the, the topic mm, I think that's really true I think I wonder how much as well in the role of like a personal trainer or a personal coach, something like that, that actually there's a, a lot of, um, I guess, opportunity to really have those conversations with people. Um, yeah. And maybe it's something that's not necessarily thought about or promoted as much in a way that actually this person is here to help you with your physical health. But it is a, it is going to reflect and effect or effect I'm never sure which um your mental health as well um I don't know either <laughs> I've never saw which I think one's meant to be for before and one's for after but I don't know I don't know um, who knows <laughs> but it's cool to see that um there are people kind of acknowledging that as well like like yourself doing that but also then people reacting to that and coming and saying oh that's really cool and maybe using or accessing your services because of the potential effect it's going to have on their mental health as well Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, again, like people are much more understanding than we would like to think. And, um, you know, I, I'm just I, I wonder, like, how much, you know, we talk about mental health stigma, but how much is the stigma is, of the stigma is mainly perpetuated by just us not talking about it? Yeah. And like not so much as, you know, um, other people not being accepting of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think the. Was it they, the stigma is real? <laughs> um, but I think, yeah, definitely what you said. Like, part of that, I think sometimes people don't want to acknowledge it, but the stigma exists within us as well. Um, and we will self stigmatize, we will believe that people are going to react in a certain way. And um, I know from my own experience, like, I have, I've got a few friends that I've had since I was at secondary school. So we've been friends for half of our lives um, and I will be reluctant or really struggle with opening up and talking to them about um, not necessarily everything but just even mm -hmm. some certain things around mental health um, yeah. and I know in my common sense brain that they are probably almost definitely not going to judge me in a certain way or have a certain reaction yet I have that feeling that there's that stigma from them when 
I know common sense there isn't so that's me expressing it onto oh they will think this or they will perceive it in a certain way well it's not really I mean I wouldn't say it's just it's just common sense that they will automatically open up because you don't know and mm. you know in a way you are making yourself even if it's your friends you're making yourself vulnerable because if you say it now they have something that they can judge you with yeah. right? possibly not necessarily but yeah it's, it's possible that they would and so I, I don't think it's totally irrational to try to keep that to yourself but um but at the same time you know to to the right people you got to know who you obviously say it to mm. but hopefully you have those people in your lives that you can open up to and, and talk to them about it and if you don't you know Hopefully, it's very accessible wherever you live. Uh, I'm not just talking to you specifically, but mm. other other people who might be listening to this to um, reach out. You know, this there's at least in Canada. I'm sure in the UK too. Yeah. You know, we we have um, healthcare that covers psychiatry and psycho- You know, psychologists are a little bit expensive, but they're covered by some insurances as well. And if, so, if you don't have other people that you can speak to who will give you sort of uh, hopefully a more objective point of view you might want to reach out to those resources cool um i think that's kind of a really cool way to sort of round us off um (laughs) i feel like we we had quite a nice little bookend on the last thing as well linking us back to the beginning um if people wanted to find out a little bit more about you dan um what you do and where you are um where's the best places to do that uh, so the best places to find me are on Facebook at uh, Daniel Lavner PT. So D A N I E L space A V N E R space PT, like the letters P N T, personal yeah. trainer. Um, and also on Instagram, where I post a lot of my content, um, which is Daniel underscore Abner one. That's my uh, handle, the Instagram handle. Mm-hmm. So if you want to find me in those two spots on the net those would be the best uh, places to find me and i constantly post things and if you want to reach out to me or message me about anything um you can uh, do that as well yeah and definitely do because that's basically how we're talking (laughs) it's just a a random post and we got talking and like oh this is awesome um so it's been really cool to talk through i think we've covered a lot more than we planned to as well with the yeah uh, touching on religion and different stuff as well it's been pretty cool and mike i really appreciated you reaching out to me i thought that was amazing and um you you really made my uh you know my day at least that day and and since then i was kind of like you know felt like the social media uh platform is something of, of really huge benefit so you know thank you for that no no worries thank you for coming on and and for sharing your story as well and it's it's something that we take advantage of sometimes and sort of we get into it and you're like actually it's a big thing for for someone to come on and talk about their own experience as well so thank you for sharing that yeah and keep doing a good job keep getting people on talking about it again this is how we're gonna uh beat the stigma and uh make for better lives for many people Yeah, I'm not sure what goes on with those drum exits. They always seem to come out a little bit strange, don't they? Anyway, (laughs) um, it was really cool to sit down with Dan and just discuss a range of different things, uh, including mental health. Uh, As Dan said, there's a range of different places that you can find him. I think Instagram was his main place where you can find him at Daniel underscore Avner underscore fitness. 
and that's D-A-N-I-E-L uh, underscore A-V-N-E-R underscore and then fitness. Uh, over on Twitter, uh, Daniel underscore Avnor one um, and I think Daniel through his Twitter has got a link to some of the training stuff that he does as well. Um, and then he's also got his Facebook page, which is Daniel Avner as well. So there's a range of different places that you can find out about Dan. And um, I think it's really cool, uh, especially from mine, just to hear about some of the different techniques, tools, ideas that people have around kind of improving or uh, being better able to cope with some of the struggles that we have around mental health uh, and fitness, exercise, activity. Uh, really is a big thing whether that's to a large extent or a low extent uh, it's about managing kind of the things that are beneficial to you so definitely think it's worth looking into some of those kind of ideas that we've discussed in the podcast again it was amazing just to sit down and have a chat with Dan so a big thank you to him for coming onto the podcast if you're interested in coming on in the future it'd be absolutely amazing to talk to you and uh, you can contact me through uh facebook instagram uh twitter's the main place um but obviously all of the info and stuff like that is available on the website which is mikesopenjournal.com so big thank you to you guys for listening in uh and i look forward to bringing you another podcast episode next week remember you're not alone out there <laughs>